just like that, we're back. It's been a hiatus since we've done MacDill Air Force Base. 2018 was the last time I believe we were in we're in McDill. We're actually in the same actually what about 50 yards away from where we were before. I actually brought back one of our returning characters that uh, that's that's been on here. Yeah, that's right, everybody. Jim Tobel is back with us. Um, I have lured him down. What is that? Is that water? Yeah. It's water. I've lured him down here with water. That's how low we've gotten here on our power pocket. That is it's Jive, cup. Jive. There's more people. We have also have Jerry Jive Kirby, who's going to be following this conversation up like you did the last time. You're like the Blue Angels of of the podcast, where you just come in and you sweep us off your feet with your knowledge and your hair. Definitely the hair. Definitely the hair. Anyways, bringing everybody up to date. We had our first air show last weekend in uh, New Orleans. They had over half a million people over the weekend in New Orleans. I think it was the entire city of New Orleans on the base, and it was just a seething mass of people. But, however, it was awesome, and uh, Navy Legacy was obviously the hit of the show Duh. anytime. So today we are talking about formation. You guys wanted to know about how do I become a formation pilot. Well, there's two different types of formation pilots. And I had to bring on two people that are way better at flying formation than me. Uh, uh, there's no obviously jive. It is it is heads and shoulders. I'm I'm the lead of my team. I'm never at a position. Uh, we have Jim Tobel with us here. He's going to grab this mic. Unfortunately, oh. you got to grab. That's yours. Yeah, you got to grab. Go grab it. There you go. Yeah, I got these new mics. Does He's this not actually right for it. it's, work. It's yeah. You know, it's it does it does I, work. I, so I need a headset so I can hear myself. You know, jive said the same thing. I don't know. I guess we're just deaf as warbird, but that's not how that works. Okay. It doesn't go in your ear. Yes. That's right. You can always tell if you're at a Warbird conference because everybody's yelling, huh? Anyways. Uh, but you're a B-25 guy, so you're double deaf. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so we've had a lot of questions about how do, I, how do I fly formation? And other than not like lining two points up like a gun and you're flying off of somebody, how do we do it legally? Because the feds are literally like three feet to my left and I have to answer this legally. You know so, what? I'm really scared. I am too. So we have mm-hmm. to actually like not bullshit our way through this. We have to actually tell facts, people how to do facts this. Facts and right. figures. You know, because 91.111 says all we need to do is we need to brief. We can't do it for hire and don't run into each other, essentially. A, B, and C. This is a good thing. That's a good thing. So we can go and fly formation anywhere except wavered airspace. And what is the definition of flying formation? It's flying in reference Mr. to each other. Scott. It is. It is flying in reference to another aircraft. That is correct. And then there's a there's a distance. You know, if you're the Air Force, it's same way, same day. However, if it's the Navy, I believe it's within 500 feet of each other. You're right. There is it a distance. It just went right over his head, and he didn't say it. Just a, I know. That's the quietest jive has yeah, ever been in is. his life. <laughs> yeah, the definition of formation flying in the Air Force is two aircraft flying in the same direction at the same time of day, is it not? I believe so. I believe it is. I yes. believe it is. <laughs> you heard it here first. You, <laughs> I'm not editing. This is an unedited Good show. Good thing Mr. we don't John. have a third microphone. I, I know. I, look, budget budget cuts, we can't afford that shit. So um, if we're going to fly formation in an air show, so let's say I bought a T6 and Jive bought a T6 and we're not Scooter and Jive. We're just Larry and Curly. Is that cool with you? Okay, Larry and Curly, we have two T6s, but we want to go fly in reference to each other in wavered airspace at an air show. What do we have to do? Wow. 
No, don't well, ask the Fed guy. He literally he'll let us do whatever we want. He's awesome. So, you know, he he really will. He's only violated just me buy every him a couple other drinks air and we're good to go. 2021. That's really good. That's good. It's every other air show. Mm-hmm. So, but he missed one. So it was every other other oh, every airship. other. Um, so if we want to do this, how do we do this legally? There's an organization we can join, I believe. There is. It's called FAST, which or stands for FFI. Formation and, and safety, safety training team. Team. Oh, it's not that it was training. Oh, come on. I think on our team. website it actually says training. International. <laughs> International. 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 So you got FAST and FFI. So FAST j- primarily deals with. The Warbird signatories. So, uh, FFI deals with whom? All the GA, General Air, General so, Aviation. So we can go fly bananas in formation to each other. Yeah, you can with FFI. Yes. Yeah, I know. High wing, low wing, all sorts of issues go along with that. We can fly, but you know, in fast, we have the same thing. We have L birds, and L birds are high wing, and they fly formation as well. Different criteria, different standards you have to comply to. So here's a question. If I have a Grumman Traveler that's painted up like a Hellcat, who do I go to? Leave it in the chocks. Leave it. <laughs> Sorry, dude. But uh, that would be FFI because it's whatever the designation of the aircraft that's is. That's correct. correct. So Grumman no, Traveler would be it's FFI because aircraft. they're the Grumman. There you yeah. go. Yes. Um, and then you, we have signatories within FAST. Mm-hmm. So if we have a T6, we fall under arguably the greatest. We're kind of biased, aren't we, Jive? We're kind of biased. Uh, North American Trainer Association, which houses T6s, T28s, and now Fighter. Oh, and Navion, too. Yeah, I was going to say, Navion. I can't forget. I'm sorry, Navion, guys. I know and Ailbirds. Oh, that's right. We, t- we did yes, pick up. Yes, took on Ailbirds, too. Yes. The whole gauntlet. So And B-25s. And B-25s. Look, we're, just, we're slowly taking over the world. It's fine. <laughs> but let's say we have a Yak. That's Red Star Association. Did you sneeze? I, I did. Oh, okay. I did. Uh, or in yeah. Nanchang, or it's <laughs> for those of you in the gun, the gun world. You guys know what a Norinco is by any chance? A Norinco is a Chinese copy of an AK-47. It's what they affectionately are calling the Nanchangs, is the Norinco or the Walmart fighter because it's made in China. Those are also in Red Star, in case you guys were wondering. So, uh, so it's Yak Red Star. Uh, I guess Mig would be rolled into Red Star too. Uh, or, or jet. So you got jet. You've got CJ and Yak. What and if I'm a C-47 guy? You're out of luck. I know. There's no signatory for you <laughs> at this point. So there's the, that's the gray area. So you've got fast. That means that we have to go get trained, right? So we're going to go to one of these clinics. Uh, one of the arguably one of the largest clinics is in Dubuque, Iowa, for the T6s. The T28s is Sheboygan. It's Sheboygan. Uh, we're going to use those because that's probably the two largest signatories by volume. Kia. Yeah, so yeah. Williston, Florida, that's, and, that's, and that's before Sun and Fun. And then Dubuque, Iowa is right before Oshkosh because it's literally a finger's length on, on four flight from Oshkosh. If you go to flynata.org, uh, I'll post a link in the, in the also, thing here. Also, Kia Cook for Elbirds. Where? Kia Cook, Wisconsin. Oh, Kia Cook. Yep, that's for Elbirds. I'm going to have to ask for help on that one. So. Kia Cook, Wisconsin. Interesting. Because I was going to take my L-Bird up there. uh, That's right. L-19s. There you go. So we're going to go to one of these clinics. We're going to fly with a individual in our back seat or front seat. Depends on, you know, where you you sold the aircraft from. The the instructor is going to be in the back, and you're going to fly a sortie. And they're going to start you off in a two-ship, so you and another aircraft. 
and you're going to fly in sole reference to that aircraft, and you're going to fly around and station keep and break up and rejoin and do all sorts of stuff. Then we're going to move on to four ships, right? Um, from four ships, it's my understanding that uh, now both of us being Czech airmen, and I, I don't know how the T-28s jive do this as well, but um, once we go to four ships, we, we want to see them at least demonstrate capability in all three positions in, in a four ship. So they want to be two, three, and four. Obviously, we don't want you to stay in one position for X amount of time. Or Typically, you, know. you put them in the easiest position, which is two, two, so that they get to familiarize with being in a four ship. Then you migrate them over. There you go. So if you, so if you take your right hand and you turn it, if you uh, uh, pronate it, so putting your, your palm down, and you look at your four fingers, that is the standard setup for what we teach. So if your middle finger would be the lead pilot or number one, your index finger would be number two, your ring finger would be number three, and your pinky finger would be number four. We call that a finger four. Pronate. 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 No, it's... It's, it's terms of medical dictionaries. Look, supinate is when you turn your palm up like you're holding a cup of soup. Pronate is finger down. I do. I read in it. So I I'm, get, I'm getting hell right now. Jesus. I don't have doctor at the beginning of my name. I apologize. So, anyways, that's how a finger four setup is. And we want to see you in all, in all positions. Now, as check pilots, what are we, or as instructors and check pilots, we're a proficiency being able to, you know, being able to, uh, station keep and actually fly. But what else are we looking for, uh, Torbo? What are we looking for with these uh, individuals in this four ship? Like knowledge, skills wise, common sense. What are we looking for? Well, a lot of it is done in the trainings in the sorties. The sorties actually develop their skill sets because typically they come in with very little, if any, skill set. And this is right. all new. It's very difficult for them to absorb. So sometimes you get to start in a distance uh, in terms of feet in the aircraft, in the flight, and slowly work yourself into it, uh, you have lead and lag. That's probably the most difficult, is when you turn into the flight and you have to reduce power, but by how much? And then you end up overshooting, you go back too far, you go back in, and then the opposite direction, you then turn away, and you've got, you have to add power. That's probably the most challenging for somebody that's new, understanding when to apply power, when to reduce power to stay in position. So station keeping I was is probably never, the most challenging. I was never good at geometry until I started flying formation. You know, when you start learning about radius, you're calling it lead and lag and stuff like that. But whenever you're whenever you're on the inside of a turn, obviously your radius is going to be less of the person you're, you're flying off of. So we need to reduce power because we're not traveling as far. On the outside of that, uh, we're actually traveling way more distance than we are of the lead pilot, so we got to add power. We have to anticipate that. So whenever you see a dynamic uh, uh, formation such as ours that's dissimilar with a gigantic radial engine and a V engine, everyone else that's ever flown a big radial is really thinking about you on the wing there because I sure am not. Um, but, you know, that's that's one of the things that you that we have to think about. Once you're in a T six or even a T twenty eight, that's another thing you got to think about. Especially if you're on a T twenty eight, you're on the inside of a turn. That big engine, you can actually underboost the aircraft if you are uh, if you're uh, on if it's a steep enough bank. And thank goodness, majority of them have that speed brake for that very reason. Do you use your speed brake much, Jive? Jive says he doesn't use his. 
It's forbidden in NADA training? Oh, that's crap. Anyways, we're going back to fighter. So Get your hand slapped. <laughs> so then we, so I mean, so we're going to take a check ride as a wingman and get a wingman card. And so the wingman card will allow us to fly in wavered airspace uh, in reference to somebody only as a wingman. We cannot lead with a wingman card, however. That's correct. Actually, the rules had changed where lead needs to be a lead if you're going to lead. It used to right. be that a wing, a good qualified wing, could actually lead a formation in wavered airspace, such as an air show. Yeah, absolutely. But that's changed. FAA doesn't like that. They're saying, no, this is why you have a lead card. This is why you have a wing card. And so only leads can lead in wavered airspace. And if you're outside wavered airspace, then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, you like. can do whatever. Anybody can do whatever they want. Right. Um, so in order to become a lead, there's a, obviously a time requirement, an experience requirement. You have to be a wingman for a certain amount of time. You're eligible for this for this checkride. It's kind of like a captain upgrade in an airline. Now it's now we're judging you primarily on uh, common sense more than <laughs> anything. I mean, anybody can fly around, but you now have to worry about three of your best friends that are out there, especially he's number four if he's on the on the way far edge on your turns, either into him or away from him and stuff like that, or you're coming into the pattern, when to break, when not to. Um, well, there's a lot of decision-making processes that go on, and as a lead, you have to process all that ahead of time absolutely. because you're looking out for your flight. Absolutely. So, so, so that's how we become uh, Warbird Air Show pilots with a formation card. Now, that doesn't allow us to do formation aerobatics. That's true. Which we're going to talk about next. Sometimes our flights, I feel like we're on aerobatic. Look, just because my landings but are that sketchy does that's not a mean lead it's an aerobatic situation. maneuver, okay? That's it's, a lead. It, it's, it's a lead My job problem. is to follow you. Just I am you go never nuts. out of position as a lead. I just want you to know that. So, however, I'm <laughs> wait, giant, a minute, wait, whoa, giant, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait. You drove me into two birds at Oshkosh as a lead. No, you know sir. that. You yes, you did. formation no, no, no. and ran into an endangered or two foot lower, but you ran me into those birds. Those are endangered. That's a lead they? situation. I'm just, I'm just asking. Those are endangered, right? I'm taking a fish. <laughs> No, folks, what actually happened was I was coming into our belly pass, and as we rolled in, true story, I have it. It's on liveatc.com if you want to hear it. You hear Jim go, oh, my God, fuck that bird, and he literally <laughs> rolled it completely 90 degrees right and nailed two birds at once, You're both shut of off. which are endeavors. Just shut up. Get all the – that's it. No more this, drinks for you. This is really delicious beer. I'm not going to lie to you. So, however, now we're going to talk about formation aerobatics. So, I'm going to take – no, I'm going to take this. That's a little bit uh, – too short, so to speak. Hi, Jive. Nice scooter. So you know a thing or two. Yeah, it's there. You go. Now you're talking into the right end. So you know a thing or two about formation aerobatics. Uh, well, I've I've had some experience with it. I don't claim to know anything. However, you are an aerobatic competency <clears throat> evaluator. Yes. That is able to evaluate piston and turbine aircraft in formation aerobatics. Sure. And what are the RV is high performance? Yeah. I don't know what, the, what it said. Anyways, you can do RVs too, that, yeah. that category. Um, so now, I'm a shit-hot NADA guy. I've been flying a T6 for, give me some years, 10 years. Yeah. And now I want to be a formation aerobatic T6 pilot. Yeah. How do I go about doing that? I've got a fast card. 
had nothing to do with regulatory stuff. Yeah. It's about having going out and, and uh, getting the experience. So, you know, find a T6, find another guy with a T6, have him willing to take you through maneuvers and trust you not to hit him as you do something that's very unusual in the attitude, like upside down or max bank angle or whatever. Sure. Uh, and then see how you handle it. I mean, there's a whole bunch of leap of faiths in people that become formation aerobatic pilots. It's not like there's a formal training program. I mean, you can have a guy like but there's, me but there's or whatever sit in the back seat on the wing and give you some pointers. But Agreed. it takes two. And it takes, an, you know, it takes some dedication on somebody else to commit to your training. So that's not something you can go buy. It's not something you can, you know, say, hey, I want to I want to pick this off of uh, some kind of a, you know, uh, a menu that I'm, I'm going to go do this. It's, it's, it's all about uh, finding the right people that who trust you enough to go tr- to go make this happen for you understand so but there's a before we go up for our evaluation so it's myself and torque and we're not formation aerobatic guys but we got two t6s and we definitely trust each other so now we got these two t6s we've been throwing ourselves at each other now for x amount of time is there a amount of practices we need before we come see you like documented practices i mean yeah there's there's like there's all it's all in the ace manual you know i'm not going to we're not going to quote I the ace manual. Thirty, is it not? It's thirty practice, yeah, thirty documented 30, practices. Thirty documented practices, and you know those those individual practices don't have to be an individual sortie. Right. We can They're, practice multiple times per you sortie. You can combine a single. You know, I'm airborne for this amount of time. I can probably do two practices in that amount of time. Sure. But I mean. It, there's a lot of not a lot of thought that goes into this. So, what's the difference mentally from somebody that comes from a fast world to somebody that goes to the formation aerobatic world from a flying standpoint, from a wing standpoint? Because you flew wing uh, with Snort in Team MS 760, which we all remember, which was a spectacular show. And you know, it was loud. It was low. I mean, you got smoke. I mean, two of the most shit out jet pilots in the world flying together. That transition from like the the fast world. To the to the formation aerobatic world, what's the switch that's got to happen? What's the what's the talent jump that's got to happen? I should it's, say it's a completely unrelated thing, and there's no parallels to the two. You know, I go fly off somebody's wing and do a banana pass or do a flat pass. There's, there's nothing to do with what we do in formation aerobatics. Zero. Right. A lot more energy management, I take I it. have 15,000 hours, and I absolutely suck at formation aerobatics. I disagree with that, but okay. And, and I do it all the time because the anticipatory responsibilities of a wingman to be able to figure out power settings and, and knowing where to be and how this is going to work and the comm required and to make it look anywhere decent from a, a crowd, you know, viewing responsibility, it's, it's almost 
unrelated to what we do in fast formation, just station keeping. It has nothing to do with it. It's, it's the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life is to try to fly off of somebody doing aerobatics. And so it, it takes a good 50 flights to where you even feel comfortable even saying, yeah, yeah we're a team. Sure. Going upside down and doing a, uh, you know, doing a Cuban, you know, but, getting slow and rolling at the same time and making it look like a perfect formation. It's, it's the most impossible thing you can ever try to achieve a perfection status in. So I got to know, out of everything you've flown, you've flown a metric shit ton of airplanes in formation and formation aerobatics. What's the easiest airplane to fly that, in your opinion that you've flown? What's the easiest airplane to fly formation aerobatics in versus the hardest or the most difficult? I'd say the, the easiest airplane I flew formation aerobatics in is a MiG-17. Really? Amazingly so. That airplane, the flight control harmonics in that airplane made it like you were wearing the airplane. It was just so wonderful. The hardest, I would say anything with a propeller. Yeah, it's a little more difficult. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, on the jet side, the MiGs, MiGs were, the, were the easiest. The L-39 was probably the hardest because of a lag in the power. I could see that. Uh, the MS-760 was such a joy to fly. It seems like a fun airplane to fly, man. Four-seat, oh, IFR, aerobatic. It's I like mean, it's the aerobatic Buick of the skies, man. I mean, this is like, does everything. I wish somebody would resurrect that team because that was cool, man. Because that Fort was cool. I made it look like magic, but it was it was a hard airplane to fly, but it was still yeah. fun. Yeah, man. Well, um, no, I appreciate your insight on this because, you know, the last time we had you on here, we were talking about the 28 a little bit. You were flying the 28 here at McDill in 2018. Yeah. You're flying your L-39 here this this, yeah. this, this, this week. So yeah. it is a modified L-39. Yeah. You don't have tip tanks. No. No, I took the, I took the tip tanks off. You know, that gives you 26.2 gallons each side. Which is nothing in a jet. No, I mean, it, it is, but... I took that off, and so the comparison is, I, I lose 52 gallons, but I, but on, on a cross country, I get to altitude so much quicker, and I cruise so much faster that the overall deficit on that fuel is only five minutes of flying time. Unbelievable! Unbelievable. So from like, you know, I get a one point, one hour and 35 minutes, comfortably, where I got an hour and 40 minutes before. Right because it took that much to carry the extra weight and the drag to altitude. So, uh, but it, it rolls so much better. Yeah. And it looks so much better. It looks, it looks just Sierra Hotel, man. It looks yeah. awesome. Yeah. So my, my, my thing is that when it came time for you to decide to buy a jet, you had all these jets out there. There's MiG-17s out there. There's... 15s out there there's you know t-birds there's everything else why did you choose an l39 oh it's all it's all about logistics i mean you could have the coolest jet in the world i mean if i was going to have if i'm going to buy a jet i'd buy the mig 17 right i love that airplane as i alluded to before because right. the way it flew so much gas there's not a lot of range in it such a maintenance hog with the nitrogen and the fuel and and the hydraulics that you got to constantly worry with. 
There is no better airplane on the planet right now, as far as maintenance goes, than an L thirty nine. Agreed. That's a that's a buy it and forget it maintenance maintenance uh, airplane. I mean, it's just they you don't can't make break. a bad landing in them. That's what I like about they them. don't. But they don't break. Right. They're built. They're so over engineered, and the the systems are so simplistic. Yeah. They just are a owner pilot's airplane. Well, and the you, harmonics are great about it, too, right? I mean, the airplane flies well. Aerobatically, it displays well. Hell, do. the airplane looks as good on the ground as it does in the air. But uh, that's the one airplane that I fly with two hands, always. I set the power, and I bring both hands on that stick, and I fly it. You know, that's, that's an airplane that's very heavy on the pitch to get perfect. And the second hand just fine-tunes everything you're doing. I flew my whole demo today two-handed. I set the power. I flew it two-handed. You get so much more fine control out of it. For a MIG, you don't have to do that. The L39, I feel like two-handed, you can just really, really fine-tune it to a nice, nice performance. I noticed on the MIG-17, you can answer this, there's a white line on the instrument panel. It's in the middle of the instrument panel. Why did they paint... A white line on the middle. It's on the 15s, too, I noticed. There's a white line on the middle of the instrument panel. Why the hell is there a white line painted on the instrument panel? Idiots. One word. Idiots. <laughs> You're training idiots. They are the training airplane. idiots, yes. You don't have to train idiots in the airplane. You don't have to paint a fucking white line so, on the goddamn so, instrument panel. So, allude to that. Why are they idiots? Okay, I'll just tell you because he's not going to tell you. So I will tell you, Torque, I will tell you. That's where you put the stick in a spin. I kid you not. That's You put your fist. That's correct, Greer. You put your fist on the white Training line. To lo- uh, you know, so I, it just, it just pisses him off. He's, already, look, his I've blood pressure is like 1,000 over 90 right now. It's like, that's where you put your fist. Just, I did. I did. Because <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, you we're a professional aviation podcast here. We're trained. We're, we're talking about professional it. people hey, look, here. The only two people that listen to this podcast are my two uh, godkids, which are, you know, seven and ten. Don't worry about it. They uh, already know these words. So, yeah, don't worry about it. It's yeah. the only two guys ever that yeah. listen to this podcast. Yeah, I mean, lowest common denominator. And we, then 20,000 downloads. We're not talking about the so. lowest common denominator here when people follow the F-15 MiG-15. And F-15, MiG-15, you say? <laughs> yeah, there's no white line in the F-15 either. I'm sorry. You don't have to do that. So no. I noticed the T six doesn't have one either. I don't know of any American built airplane that has a white line down the mm-hmm. middle of the instrument panel. You know, I, I <laughs> And who and who puts who puts Oh, here we go. He's he's getting wound up about the MIG. <laughs> who puts dirt? Who puts brown on the top of an ADI and blue on the bottom of an ADI? The Russians. Yeah. The Russians. What the heck? Yeah, so the attitude indicator, you're telling me instead of brown and blue, like in the U.S., where it's like sky is blue and ground is hard, so it's brown, the Russians invert that. Yeah. Yes. Because yeah. Yeah. <laughs> water is blue and the smog is brown. There you go. Yeah. So, so, I mean, explain a lot of that crap to me. Look, I, I don't get I mean, it. you flew Stalin's shithouse for a number of years. That's the MiG-17, in case somebody was wondering about that. You flew that airplane. You love it. I love that airplane. I do have to laugh at the pressure controller, the, uh, the pressurization. That's also your heat. <laughs> Where if you're actually, like, let's say it's, I don't know, 
you decide to fly a MiG-17 out of Fargo, North Dakota, you have to pressurize the airplane like you're at 30,000 feet to turn the turn the flipping heat on well but that's that's all older generation that t-33 was the same way was it really okay oh yeah if you wanted if you wanted heat if you wanted pressurization you had to turn the heat up you had to get the ecs and bleed air working for you there otherwise it wasn't going to do it so that wasn't just that was that era of of airplanes that had to you had to get one of my one of my favorite jive stories ever <laughs> you'll remember this old miss flyover Oh, yeah. In 2011. Oh, yeah. We have five L-39s that's being led up to Oxford, Mississippi yeah. from Lakeland, Florida. Yeah. Obviously, we have to stop because we have very teeny tiny tanks on board yeah. our L-39s. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jive is above us yeah. at 28,000 feet. And I believe your quote was, I'm listening to Sirius XM. You were 400 and some odd knots burning yeah. 2,200 pounds. In a T-33. In a T-Bird. Yeah. You were hauling ass. Yeah. You were listening to Sirius XM. You non-stopped it. You oh, had I burned 2,000 pounds an hour. Yeah, 20, yeah 22, 2,000 pounds an hour. an hour, something like that. So, you know. <clears throat> a lot more, but I hit it all the way. But the same T-Burber you flew in, Greer. Yeah, with me. <clears throat> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so, we got Greer here with us. He's with uh, with the FAA. He's flew T-Birds for uh, 197 years. Yeah, 198 so. years. Thank 198, you. 198, sorry. Yeah, I, yes, forgot the, I forgot he was extended a year. Yeah, so. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So no, we appreciate your insight on this, and especially on the jets and stuff like that. So, what's what's next on your? your uh, let me, I'm all over the place because I'm excited. You're racing Reno this year with her. Yeah, with with yeah. Ivan. It's a him. Yeah, it's Ivan. Yeah, you're gonna race Reno. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that's the I raced Reno last year in Ivan. And how like, well did you do with Ivan? I don't know. We were, you know, we ended up overall, I think, fifth out of, uh, you know, almost That's 20 airplanes. Out of all those jets, you end up fifth? Hell, well, man. Well, I mean, fifth, you know, misdemeanors, I probably wouldn't fifth fastest, but just the way people worked out in the gold. Sure. I was in the gold race, and, you know, it just worked out. So Now, you're running a stock <laughs> L39 engine on that, right? There's no magic, no nothing. Nope. It's no, a stock AI-25. got to get me out there. It's got to race and get me back. So you know, I'm there's some to... guys out there that are running the uh, – they're re-engineing these jets with Garrett 731s. Yeah. And I believe you said you plan to do that eventually down yeah. the road, did you well, not? Well, it's a, it's a possibility, yeah. Possibility. Um, but didn't you beat a guy with a Garrett, or did he come in front of you, well, so to speak? I mean, that, that was 2019. Uh, it was a different, different era. I mean, that was – I had a That's I had true. Yeah. I had a de- have on vampire then. You were running the vampire and you were just crushing everybody with a vampire. Well, I mean, it's funny a nineteen forty jet. Airplane. Yeah, you know, I had a goblin and goblin thirty five B, you know, which was a stock de Havilland motor, you know, and I'm out there indicating four hundred and thirty miles an hour, which oh, is true out at five hundred and thirteen miles an hour, and it's wood. It's a wooden airplane. That's oh, a wooden cock. It's a wooden, wooden nose. Nose is forward of the firewall. Dude, you're a quarter of a mosquito. Yeah, I mean it's the only airplane you got to get a termite inspection. You know, part of the annual. So why didn't you pick up a Vampire versus an L39? Oh, so damn ugly. <laughs> I, I mean, there's self-respect here. I mean, I, well, dude, every time you start, it looks like you ate a Taco Bell. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I yeah, it's, there's there's. They're special purpose airplanes. I love the Vampire. I love all the guys that have Vampires. But the airplane is, you know, first generation. It's very special use, special purpose kind of thing. Okay. And 
not something I wanted. And I talked about before the L39 being, you know, such a uh, no-brainer as far as engine maintenance or airplane maintenance. Uh, obviously, that's not that's not the same with the Vampires. Vampires is, uh, requires a little bit more care and feeding. You sure. Know, so to, it's to British it standard on the engine again, and then yeah. it's metric on the airframe. And there's so, some I mean, great great people out there that take care of these Vampires and preserve that history and and god love them um but it's not something you just can go out and pull out of the pull out of the hangar and go fly every sunday you know like the l39 would be yeah so as far as air show wise what other air shows are you doing this year Uh, i mean i've got a variety of air shows you know i've got my in my stable in the wild blue rodeo stable there's you know wild blue the The rva day there wants to be a fighter jet there's t28 mad dog you know that it uh, keeps that that history alive in the 1820 and with that motor and then the ivan so i don't know all, all told i'll probably do a dozen air shows throughout with those three airframes well the i'll year. tell you what what is your personal what about jive what shows are jive doing i know you've got a fleet of dudes flying these airplanes yeah i mean I've, we just added two new guys or one new guy you know for wild blue michael uh brewer thorny we just Former Thunderbird off Four. Of Thunderbird Four last year. Uh, super guy. I mean, you know, lots of general aviation experience, lots of airline experience before. F fifteen E guy transitioned back into that world. We like him. He was a CRJ recently. guy for Mesa. We like him. Yeah, so. I mean, uh, he's just such a such an overall great guy, and you know, he's taken Wild Blue, and he and uh, he's got the keys to it, and all the shows that he can work he will do great things uh, promoting what we were about for with wild blue which is you know uh dreams are endless right just uh, if you can dream it, it it happens and that's what's important with that airplane so it's it's uh he he will do very very well uh continuing that mission for that airplane so we're really happy to have him on board so as we as we come to the the, the end of our segment here you know you've matured a lot in the four years you've matured a lot you've you've been checked out on a lot of airplanes since 2018 yeah as have i and you know we always have the question and i've asked you before now granted the last time the answer was just absolutely flipping hilarious because snort was in on it and he had a he had a zing to go back and forth as you guys were doing your little paddle thing in the docking bar so um my question to you if you can fly any airplane in history for the duration of the gas bag on board, it doesn't matter about logistics, money's no option, no nothing. You can fly any airplane in history once. However, at the end of this flight, you have to surrender your pilot certificates and never fly again. I won't even let you fly first class on my CRJ because that's too close to the cockpit. Okay? So that is how serious this is. You get one flight. It's any airplane in history. In history. What's it going to be, Jive? You've been checked. You got. You've been checked out on half a dozen airplanes since then. Some of which are like supersonic jets. I mean, like, what's it going to be, dude? One last flight. Any airplane oh, man, you want. You know, I get. I, I, I. In all seriousness, I get asked this question all the time. You, know? you do not. I am very. I'm a very blessed man, right? I'm here, my age in my life. Flying. I'm flying supersonic jets. I'm still flying Mirage F1. It's a Mach 2.5 airplane, right? Yep. And I'm flying A4s. I'm flying L159s. 
you know, in the contract. Uh, Find a Mustang. Adversary world. Yeah, and those are great. You know, you go out and you fulf- you fulfill a mission. You you do that, and and you go fly, and you go, wow, that was awesome. You know, and you're in the squadron environment, and you're like, I'm 62 years old. You know, and I'm still doing this. I'm still actually, you know. I'm going, Kicking. yeah, I shot down this guy this day and this guy that day because he screwed up, you know, and 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 all's good. And then you step back, and, and what I'm doing back in Florida, you know, I'm flying, you know, T-28, and and it's more of a preservation of history there. I'm flying, you know, the, the P-51 now. I'm so blessed to be able to, to take that piece of history airborne. And not only that, but I get to show it off. To, to people that it's as a lifelong dream they come out and they want to fly the p51 and I'm doing that every day and I'm signing signing my my name to log books of people that have just fulfilled their dream of flying a p51 Mustang and you know and every time I get them airborne out of Kissimmee Florida with dying 51 and Lee and Angela have done such a great service to me by allowing me to do this have you ever thought about a career in politics? Would you just answer the fucking question? But this is really important. Jesus because, Christ, man. Because there's there's a piece of this right after takeoff that I, I have three different camera positions. And I, I pull the camera back to them because it's on them. And I go, you are in a P-51 Mustang, my friend. Can you imagine being an 18 or 20-year-old? In World War Two, my eyes are and you have been able yeah. to be in this opportunity to go fly combat in this airplane, and it just hits home to everybody. I do that too, and then we go up and we let them fly for an hour and bring them back, and I get more satisfaction out of that I think than anything that I've ever done in my life, other than bringing the Phantom to the Heritage flight and honoring all the Vietnam veterans. That's cool. That that's right because you were heard you were that Phantom airplane demo for two years save them in the arm when they were in the army in Vietnam or all the maintainers of the Phantom those two are ranked right up there with being able to preserve history and I have been blessed with that opportunity on both sides but you asked me what airplane I love flying every day it's no, it's not what I asked. I said if you could ask, fly one airplane. Well, I'm going to answer it a different way. Oh, Jesus. Here my little I'm wild, with the FAA. I'm here to yank your license. What are my you little, flying? My little RV-8A called Wild Blue. Okay. That I get in at my house every day, and okay. I fly to either Lakeland to fly the Mirage F1, or I go to Kissimmee to fly the uh, the P-51. Though That little airplane brings me the most joy of anything in the world because... You know, that's just what general aviation is about. That's what the dream of aviation is about, is being able to have the freedom to go fly. And so that's, what, that's what's important to me. So I got to remind you, in 2018, we're in the Drakenbar, and I asked you and our good friend Snort, late Snort, this very question. And that was the absolute fucking best answer I've ever heard in my life, was the banter between you two. Because you started off. And we asked, Jive, what are you going to fly? He goes, Jive says, I would take a slick C model, F-15, into the MOA. I just, just go and rage. 
Just go and rage and go and fight and do my thing. And I remember looking over at Snort and he goes, I take a slick D model Tomcat and whoop his ass. <laughs> yeah. That's what he said back then. Whether mm-hmm. it was true or not, it's just that's just that was that was the best answer. Just stone cold fighter pilot. Yeah, I'd take a I'd take a slick D model and whoop his ass. <laughs> I miss my buddy. Yeah, I miss him too, buddy. I miss him too. And and uh, we'll go to Siberia later for him. But uh Thank you guys for checking in. Thank you very much for coming on and giving your insight, my brother. Appreciate that. You're Torque, you're uh, you're a slave to this podcast, anyways. But thank you for your thank you for your uh, your insight of this. Greer, thanks for your FAA oversight on this whole uh, over deal. Really appreciate that. So he said he wants to see my license afterwards. My my name is Sean D. Tucker, and I will give you every license I have, sir. So on that note, thank you guys for checking in. We are going to have another podcast later this weekend, and I'll throw it up for you guys. Any questions, be sure to hit us up on Instagram. We'll see you.